Thank you. And what a wonderful conference so far. Let's give everybody a round of applause by clicking on that applause icon that you see there as there were amazing presentations. But now let's see what cool things we can achieve when we break those rules for better data storytelling. Allow me to surprise you. Now, there are quite a few data visualization rules to follow and core principles and best practices and guidelines, which is great because if we don't follow them, we end up with a graph such as this one. This one is breaking multiple rules. Let me know in the comments if you're seeing any of them. You know, the usage of the banana wallpaper being just one of them. So obviously, it's not the only graph that's breaking those rules. But the question is, can we break data visualization rules to just achieve better data storytelling, but at the same time, really keep the integrity of the story and maintain that truth? Yes. Yes, we can. That's really the short answer. And there are quite a few examples, but today I'll show you three such cases. And the first one is my favorite. It involves scrolling. So we know that we shouldn't have a data visualization such as this one, where we have the audience to keep on scrolling to see all of it, right? That's kind of one of the layout rules that we have out there. But scrolling in a data story, when utilized properly, can work magic. It's actually called scrolly telling, which is the art of using scrolling to engage with the audience in telling your data story. And please put in the comments if you've heard or not of scrolly telling before. And I would appreciate if you tag my name so I could revisit those comments after the conference. But let me give you a couple of examples of good scrolly telling. And this first one comes from Bloomberg, where it kind of wants to prove a point that Americans are addicted to trucks. And as you're scrolling down, you're really being given different views of the same bubble chart to kind of show you in many ways how pickups are the king of the road and you know other trends in the American car market. But the next one, this is really my favorite, shows a story from Washington Post. And it's actually about a very, very sad event of a Malaysian airliner that crashed. And the authorities were struggling to retrieve the black box from the ocean floor. And here, the data storyteller employed the use of one graph and the art of scrolly telling to convey to the reader why it's so hard to retrieve this black box. So we're starting from the sea level and as we scroll down, we're just going deeper into the ocean. And you can see that we can visualize some well-known landmarks to kind of serve as comparisons on how deep into the ocean we are at this point, along with other interesting references. So we're already quite deep, but we keep on scrolling down and we're starting to get the feeling that, hey, we've scrolled down for a while. It's been 30 seconds or more already. But that's kind of the beauty of it, that the audience is starting to experience how far this black box is. And finally, we're just re reaching the end, shy of three miles down, where the black box needs to be recuperated from. So conclusion here is that through scrolling, when done properly, you can really involve your audience in your story. And I think, you can get that message across better. Axis inversion. Let me know what you think about this one. Should we invert the axis? I think the short answer is no. Let me give you an example why that is. This is a graph that was distributed by Reuters a few years ago. And let me know in the comments if you've seen it before. But also let me know what's that first message that we're getting across from this graph. Well, that since 2004, Five, when Florida enacted its stand-your-ground law, the number of deaths decreased. 
But that's not the truth. Because even though the data is accurate, it's not plotted in a way that transfers the same accuracy and integrity into the data story. How come? Well, upon closer inspection, we can see that the zero on the y-axis is at the top. And as we're scanning those numbers down, we can see they are increasing, not decreasing. So the message is reversed. It, we should see like this. We should flip it around. This is a more accurate way of looking at this plot. So obviously, we can see that since 2005, those number of murders committed using firearms have increased drastically. And you know, I apologize that the message of the story is so grim, but also the way that this line graph is plotted on the left-hand side is quite a crime against data storytelling and data visualization best practices. So instead, you should plot it how I've done it on the right-hand side. So please definitely stay away from inverting the axis of a chart. But I'll be cheeky here and ask the question, can we still invert that axis while keeping the integrity and the truth and by doing so, maybe tell that data story better? Actually, we can. So Kaiser Fung of junk charts provide this, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful example. Imagine using this graph to convey a message to the American reader that the US dollar has been strengthening against the euro since uh, 2018, since about here. Now, because the exchange rate is expressed as the number of the US dollar per one euro, the lower this number, the stronger the US dollar is. But it's kind of making you scratch your head a little bit because the visual of a trend line running down seems to really contradict with the message that the US dollar has gained strength. Yes, we can also place annotations and that definitely helps. And by the way, if we are presenting this graph to a financial finance audience, then this tends to be a no brainer. They're used to seeing this rate. They understand that a Trend line going down for this type of graph means that the US dollar is stronger in this context. And you know, I'm not saying that we wouldn't get that, but for the non-finance audience, we can actually choose to break the axis inversion rule. And when we do that, it looks like this. And in doing so, the data visualization is really more in line with its message. We really see that growth being reflected in the visual and it really matches the expectations of the audience. So in this case, I think that inverting the y-axis tells the story better. And please know that the author also flagged that below the title, the fact that they've inverted this axis. This is quite important to note, right? Very prominently at the top. Color usage. By the way, if you're seeing this color wheel spin a little bit, I'm not trying to hypnotize you. But if I am succeeding, please remember, put the lights on data, be dedicated, and keep the truth in the story. So back to the color usage. There's so many do's and don'ts and rules on how to use and not to use color. And let me know again in the comments if there's anything that really stuck with you on how you should be using or not color in your graphs, in your data visualizations. But out of everything, there's one that kind of stands out and the fact that we shouldn't use a lot of color, right? Keep it simple, less is more. That's sort of the message that we're getting often. And this is a case of what not to do. There's plenty of color here. Your eyes are jumping all over the place. We can't really follow anything. It doesn't tell us much. There's too much color. It's distracting. But 
can we still use a lot of color and have a good data visualization, a good data story? I think so, and there's quite a few examples out there, but I'll show you one. This one is a chart from The Economist, and they're using quite a few different colors, nine colors actually to be exact, each one of them with two different hues, but I think it works, and I'll zoom in a little bit here so you can see it even better. I do think it works, and I'll tell you why in a second, but first let me quickly describe the chart. All these circles that you're seeing in different colors represent the political parties in the European Parliament, and the size of the circle represents how many seats do they have in the Parliament. Now, the closer they are to the top, as we can see in here, the more pro-European Union they are, the closer they are towards the bottom, they're against the European Union, such as the uh, Brexit party on the bottom right there. Whereas, you know, left versus versus right, it just represents where they stand on the political ideology. So they're left wing or right wing type of a thing. So it really works. This really works because, well, it's spaced out sufficiently that the white space makes it easy to differentiate each color in each category. We have enough negative space. The colors themselves also use sufficiently distinct hues that again, it's easy for us to differentiate. And those regions, those blobs kind of help reinforce the grouping and their association with a distinct color. And of course, the fact that we have all those labeled uh, adjacent helps as well. This is definitely tells that story a little bit better where all these parties stand. And the fact that the anti-European Union parties kind of sit on the extremes of the ideal political ideologies whereas the pro-European um, Union ones are a little bit more centrist. It's a lot easier to follow this than seeing it writing or even seeing a similar graph based on the same data, very similar data, which is still using a lot of color, but it's so much more cluttered. It just doesn't work, right? So even though we broke the rules by making our audience scroll through a data visualization for more than 30 seconds, we've inverted that axis and we also use plenty of color we still kept the integrity of the story. And even more so, I think, we told it better this way. So bottom line is that data visualization best practices and rules are there for a reason. And most of the time, we should definitely follow them to create that compelling data story. But also don't let them stop you from using your imagination and applying your creativity. So as long as you're putting the lights on data, as long as you're ethical and not destroying the reality, breaking the rules can sometimes be okay. So thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Please get in touch with me. And I look forward to getting your questions and interacting with you a little bit now. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, George. You convinced me we can break some rules sometimes. OK, I love the scrolly telling. I love all the examples. I want to start with a question for me personally. Was mm -hmm. that color wheel spinning or is it just some kind of trick of the eye? Ah, because I do post some some of those on LinkedIn. Yes, it was actually spinning. Okay. The cool thing that you can do in PowerPoint. Okay, awesome. Good to know, because I know sometimes you post those illusions um, and they always confuse me. So you definitely brought in a new buzzword for people. Uh, Fernando's never heard of it. Charisma's never heard of it. Scrolly telling, yes. Scrolly telling, yes. And yes, a lot of people are new to scrolly telling. Some have seen scrolly telling before but uh, they didn't know that there was an actual term for it. I, I also didn't know that there was a term for it. It's it's so cool and so many things that we could do in combining it in our data story and really engaging with that audience in that way. I think it's brilliant. 
Yes, absolutely. A question here from Matthew. He says, when is it best to not tell a story with your data? Is this a rule that should never be broken? When is it best to not tell a story with your data? Yes. Mm, that's that's a very, very good question, Matthew. And well, obviously, if you don't have any data, then you don't have a data story to tell. That's That's the first thing that really comes in mind. But in the end, I think you need to make sure of the accuracy, authenticity of that data. You want, you need to understand its veracity. So if the veracity is not there, then you're you're flawed already in your in your presentation, in your story. So I think that's really the main rule that should not be broken. Always look in that backend data that you're going to rely your story on. Yes, absolutely. Um, Naman's asking, what do you think of using black and white? Can storytelling be creative with just black and white? Absolutely. And you know what? I think something that often gets overlooked is that color accessibility. So there's obviously quite a few people that are colorblind. And for that, of course, you know, the black and white piece can be very helpful. And there are a lot of tools out there, by the way, to, to um, make sure that you are using the right color scheme and color palette in order to address that type of audience. So you can get the full, full grasp and address it to everybody. So yes, you can definitely be as creative. And you know what? You can obviously not have to use colors overall. You can just use patterns too to differentiate yeah. between different data visualization types. And uh, I've actually seen this cool technique for blind people where you can use sounds for them to kind of detect where they are on a different you know, line chart or bar chart as it kind mm -hmm. of scans along. And based on the pitch, it kind of tells you what the value would be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've I've not used that personally, but I think that's a, a great method to communicate with those who can't who can't see the data. Um, Ray has a comment here. She says it's hard to do a bump chart without a lot of colors. Now I have a perspective. What do you think? Can we make a bump chart without a lot of colors? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the idea is you know what's the purpose? Why do we want to use colors, right? And we can we can still use lots of colors but as long as we just emphasize one of them at a time, if that yes. makes sense. Yes, I, I, would, I would say the exact same thing. We can still have that whole spaghetti thing in the bump chart, but know the story that you're telling, then color that specific line, um, line item as a different color to make it stand out. Now, uh, a, lot of, a lot of great comments of saying, you know, people are loving the presentation. It's, it's a awesome. great presentation. Thanks for the presentation. Thanks, everyone. Uh, uh, a, a question that I want to ask you, but Raymond's asked, can we use a pie chart as a best visualization? What are your thoughts there? You know what? And this might be controversial. I think yes. I think pie charts are getting a lot of hate and <laughs> I understand why. And it's because most of the time they are misused. People mm -hmm. are using pie charts when uh, different types of visualizations should be used instead. And, uh, you know, I had a, a few other examples that I didn't have time to show, but you know, when, when the pie chart doesn't add to 100%, for example, we see a lot of that on TV for some reason. We see a lot of examples of pie charts being misused just because they're loved. People love round things. That's that's sort of the, you know, there's this, whole, there's this whole paper, research paper on why we love pie charts or why we love uh, circles in general. But yes, I think there's a time and a place for pie charts as well. Interesting. Yeah, I remember being told specifically to throw some pie charts in the dashboard so we don't just have um, bar charts everywhere. I'm like, okay, <laughs> just for, for mixing it up. Um, we'll take one last question here.
picking on the color choice. So Jigna is asking, what is your suggestions towards three best color choices? Yeah. And you know what? I'm not good at remembering names, but after I'm done with the session, I'll post a link in the chat. There's actually about three resources that I can I, I know, but I don't remember the links, where you can go and pre-select these color palettes, which can also be addressed to make sure that they're uh, colorblind safe. Uh, they can also be uh, printed okay in black and white, and that you can still see the difference. And you can even scan that paper afterwards and still maintain a different in visualization. So uh, there's a few options out there, but yeah, you know, it's not as simple as a green, red, blue type of a thing. Yes. You got to look at those uh, hashtags, the RGB color code, and these links would provide you with that. Yes, I think it, uh, Color Brewer 2 is one of the sites. Color Brewer 2, yes. They actually Definitely. give you color schemes. They give you options that look, the colors look distinct enough from each other, and then they have colorblind options and black and white options and all of that. But I'm sure there's That's are very well known. Right yeah, and it's used in topography, yeah, yes. Yes, and George, I know you have so much time to go and hop in there and answer all the questions that people have been asking you, so. I <laughs> will, I will. Thank you, okay. Kate.